A vision without execution is just a dream. Welcome to Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. Like the show title says, Chris speaks with transformative experts and business leaders who share their successes, failures, and leadership tips that will help you transform your business into a success story. Now, here's your host, Chris Elias. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Transformative Experts. Today I have with me Jessica Walker. Jessica is an entrepreneur, an activist, a mentor. She's an everyday innovator. She's done a lot of things, had a lot of great success. Um, welcome, Jessica. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. It's nice to have you here. Uh, we always start a little bit with, um, you know, with our, our guests kind of life story. I want to do the same thing with you. And, um, you know, I, I purposely didn't say what your primary business is. So I want to give us some time to we'll talk about that certainly in some detail. Uh, but you started your entrepreneurial life at a, at a fairly young age for most people. And I wondered if you would, you, you would share your story about how you've become the successful entrepreneur that you are. Thank you so much. I did. I started my business when I was 19. Uh, if you back up a little bit, I grew up in a family of entrepreneurs and I really wanted to spend time with my parents. So at a very young age of 10 or so, I started going to work with them on the weekends. Um, again, they had multiple different businesses and I, by 12, was dressed up in a red suit and little heels and I was selling furniture in New York and Soho in one of their stores. And I loved getting the positive affirmation on how great I did and how nice I looked and talking to the people and helping to sell items, which I did. Um, from there, I ran a couple of their other businesses. Literally, I was really young, 15, 16 years old, but I loved what I was doing. And what I found from working with them is doing the right thing when no one's watching and getting up and getting dressed and showing up is sometimes half the battle. So every day life gets in the way. And I really wanted to learn um, something else that really came up was emotional intelligence. And of course I didn't know what that was. I had no idea. I'd never even heard the term, but there's a language of how you can feel the energy that's around you and what people need and want. And I learned that from being in the environment of caring for people, which now is also known as sales, but I really look at it as caring. And the bigger problem that we can solve together um, when helping someone, the bigger reward that we'll have. So um, when I started my business at 19, I already had a young child, I already had a daughter and I needed to make money. Um, I had intended on going to the Fashion Institute in New York and that didn't happen, which was totally okay. I had to do something that I was going to be able to generate income. So I decided to enroll in a technical school. Um, with that said, prior to even graduating, um, my father came home and said, we're going to open up a salon. I found a location for you. And I was like, I don't even know how to cut hair. And he's like, you'll figure that part out. He had already watched me. So he knew he saw something inside of me that I didn't see, which was also a life lesson of sink or swim and then get up, get dressed and show up. Because now not only are you worrying about yourself, you're worrying about your child, but now you're worrying about the employees that I've hired and the rent that I have to pay. So I took out a loan from them. Um, I paid it back every single month month. I made my rent. I paid my bills. I never had to borrow a dollar from where I was. Um, I attribute that to location. So when you're thinking about opening up a business, location is number one, um, along with having really good mentors and advisors in your network. Um, that's really key. You know, having um, the proper attorney. I've been through a bunch of different situations where I learned the hard way, um, you know, needing to have one on speed dial, if you will. 
Um, so from there, starting it at 19, uh, fast forward now, it's 25 years later, I have four locations. Um, I love what I do. Again, I love helping people grow and mentoring them, um, whether it be clients and staff, um, you know, or, you know, just somebody that's within the community, because I'm very involved in the community as well. That's also another uh, point of difference for my business and how I'm still standing here today. Um, I do believe that whole giving back and putting out there uh, something that you can give of yourself that others need was actually a learning lesson and a gift that, um, that I was able to receive all these years later and still do reap the, ben- the benefits from it. Excellent. Excellent. So four, four locations, um, salon business, uh, you're doing all kinds of things in your salon though. So it's not just haircutting. You've gone, you've even gone beyond um, the simple aspects of it and you do so much more. Yes, we have a full service wellness center uh, where we do all types of services from hydrofacials to uh, massages, traditional manicures and pedicures. Um, We bring in different speakers for internal medicine and we also have a body contouring program that's here. Um, I do believe when your outer looks good, your inner feels better, but we really want to work on the inner. Um, So we partner with some local speakers. We'll have them come in to do talks for clients and we try to put together a comprehensive approach to someone's beauty. Uh, Again, when your outer looks good, your inner feels better, but helping that person really define and um, be able to, uh, you know, articulate exactly who they want to be and who they are. You know, we don't want to change anyone. We just want to bring out who they are. And we, you know, love to work with people and enhance the beautiful features that they have, whether it's on the outside, you know, or different confidence boosters that come out from the inside. You know, it's it's really funny because listening to your story, um, I hear a lot of core values, right, to use our own lingo. We think that the core values are the basis of culture in an organization, and people in an organization have to be aligned around a common set of core values. Uh, I am kind of curious, have you, have you put conscious effort into creating core values, or are they just natural? And for the audience, like a couple of the core values I'm picking out, you know, this, this kind of concept of, you know, do the right thing when nobody's looking. That's an integrity type thing. You know, get up, get dressed, show up. I mean, that that's a hard work. That's a work ethic, you know, core value. And this concept of, of you know, the, the, the outer looks, the inner, you know, the inner person that you're talking about and focusing on the inner person. Th- these are three pretty strong core values. Um, have you leveraged those in your company? We try to. I think when you hear values, it's almost... Um, it's very blanket right now because so many businesses are picking it up. What I didn't realize is that we had been practicing this for many years and, uh, you know, which is why we're still in business here 25 years later. However, when people are um, a part of my organization, part of it is giving back to the community and living through these um, values, which as a group, we identified them. We laid out a bunch on the on a whiteboard, and together we came up with what we felt were our top, you know, ten, and then narrowed them down. And we really tried to live into them. And yeah. you know, we're human, so sometimes things can happen. And when that happens, we try to do, um, you know, a tool that we use as a feedback tool, where we will ask permission to give feedback and ask when's a good time, um, and try to layer that with, of course, something good. But that tool really seems to help us when someone it might be out of alignment, if you will, um, to kind of get back on track and say, yeah, you know what? You're right. Because there's a lot of emotion that surrounds just the day to day of living and life, especially right now. Well, and, and what's really great about how you did this, 
you know, yeah, core values, values, they're, they've become a buzzword. Every company needs them. But I mean, in my work, I find that the probably as much as half, if not more, of the companies that I go into that claim they have core values don't. They're just nice words they put up on the wall. They don't live by them, right? And and part of the problem is, is when they kind of create, if you will, their core values, that's what they do. They sit around in a room a little differently from yours, and and they just come up with things that sound good, like they should, oh, this should be a value. You know, we, should, we oh, you got to have integrity. You got to have this, you got to have that. Whereas in truth, the companies that do this right actually discover, it's a discovery process. The core values are already in play. It's really just a matter of rooting them out and putting them in words that make sense. And that's the process. You did it naturally, which is really kind of amazing because I don't, I don't see that a whole lot where people figure it out the way that you did. But sticking by that is going to help you create a culture that, that you want. I, I have to assume if you have somebody that comes in to work for your organization and they don't believe in giving back to the community, they're not going to last. That's exactly right. And and that's happened not often, to be honest with you. Um, most people that come on board, when I share with them that we're a part of Diva for a Day and an organization called HeartWorks and that I'm on the board and part of what we do is bring in a woman with cancer every month and we do it on the house, they're like, sign me up. And can I donate? And can I, you know, I'm, there's so much um, giving back inside of the people that are at least around my network. And I think overall in the world right now, that um, that's a really beautiful thing. And I think that's little by little how we can infect and, and change our community. Yeah, it, it, it's, it's really popular. And, and I'm, I'm glad it's, it's become kind of a, a point of attraction for, for people. So, you know, do you actually purposely try to root any of this out and try to understand, you know, in, in your interview process for people, are you, are you actively trying to discover whether or not they have these values or is it more of a feel right now? I actively try to discover what their values are by asking curious questions. I'd like to get them telling a story, mm-hmm. what's most important to them, what have they encountered, what do they do? You know, I ask different questions that it leads me for them to start talking and then I get a feeling. Um, and then that feeling is, you know, it's really how I arrived here, but I always say what got me to this point isn't going to get me to the next point, which is when the coaches, mentors, advisors come in to get that second opinion if you need it, or if you have some hesitation, um, you know, it's always great to have that team of people. And a lot of times people want to help you. So that's what I found. If I just pick up the phone and I say, this is a situation, what's your experience share? Getting someone's experience share is priceless. And most of the time they are happy to share it with you. And they actually feel proud that you would call them to ask for that experience share. Yeah. You know, mentoring, there are so many people that just want to help other people out. And all you have to do is ask, you know, it's, and it's powerful. Yet I come across so many entrepreneurs who either think they know it all already or afraid to ask. I don't know what it is. So my opinion in that is ego is your worst enemy. And when we think we have it all figured out, that really means we might hit rock bottom sooner than later, or at least come over a big hurdle. So 
I believe in asking for help and in having a good process for systems um, in your organization so that you can lean on someone when you feel overwhelmed because it's life and we're going to all have, we're going to all have tragedies and we're going to all have hardships and people that leave us or people that, you know, they change gears, especially with COVID people moved, people retired. My number one stylist who was like my best friend in the whole world. Mm -hmm. She was with me since it's about two weeks after I opened after COVID she retired and she just said, you know what, I, you know, I've had it. I'm good. I, I enjoyed my work. Um, she had her first grandson and she loves what she's doing now as she should, but those kinds of things happen. So when it comes to those moments where like on my end, it might be emotional. What am I going to do? Leaning to those people and asking for advice has been something that I could not have lived without. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a great point. And so you know, I'm kind of curious when have there been specific times and specific triggers that have caused you to seek out mentors and have your mentors evolved over time? Or do you have some mentors that maybe, you you know, from the beginning, they're still a mentor today? First of all, my parents are both mentors and they've been since the beginning of my business. Yes. But throughout the growth, sometimes when you're growing, there can be fear that comes around. Wow. There's so much going on. Can I handle this? Do I even know what I'm doing? What's my name? What, who do I want to be? And how can I, how, how can I make this work? So, you know, you get this feeling of overwhelm and it totally happens and it's natural to be honest with you, but that can create opportunity because it's a disruption. So I would absolutely reach out to people who I've, paid as coaches and have been there for me, people who I have had as really good friends that are smart business people that I've trust, um, that I'm still very close with and lean on. So I would say that it's a combination of both. Um, but mostly as I've become more self-aware of uh, the opportunity that I have around me and the gift that I've been giving to serve and be a servant leader, that's where it's like, whoa, this is a way bigger opportunity and responsibility than I might've ever thought at 19. It's almost like when you're a toddler and the world is so great and you want to be an astronaut and you can do anything. You can fly a plane if somebody taught you. And that's part of what I use when I'm mentoring some of my staff, because we can, if that's your desire. Um, But as you get more mature and and older and you start recognizing like, whoa, I'm out here in this field and I need tools. Um, you know, that's where it becomes necessary to have people in your camp that you can trust, that you know, like, and trust that can support your desires, your goals, your dreams, and to help you navigate through to them. What was one of the tougher times that you know, maybe early on as, as you were building your business, was there, well, I'm sure there's plenty of stories, but, but I'd love to hear some stories, um, about, you know, a time where you were really, really struggling and, um, how, how, how a mentor actually helped you through that moment. When I was getting ready to celebrate my five-year anniversary of opening up my first location, I received a letter that I had 60 days to vacate the property and I was lost my lease. And I was thrown out on a technicality. I was eight months pregnant with my third daughter. And I had grown a business from literally nothing um, to, to what I would consider a lot of money for a, you know, a, I was probably 22 years old at mm-hmm. that time when this happened. And I tried everything. I tried to use every resource that I could to beg and plead to be able to let me stay where I am. Look what, look what I've done. Look what we've grown together and look how involved we are in the community. It was 
this is not happening. You cannot stay here. So at that point, I mean, I definitely leaned in on my parents and I could not tell my staff that they were, that we were at risk of losing this place. Um, because that wasn't an option. I had to get up, get dressed and show up with a smile. And I started cold calling salons in the area and I could only go between two lights. And if you knew where I was located, it's not a very big distance and there's not a lot of real estate here, but I do believe by the grace of God, someone said yes. And it was a standalone building, which I'm sitting in today. And I now own the real estate. I bought it in 2011, which is a miracle because to be honest with you, the rents across the street are so extremely high and as beautiful as the property is and has a ton of traffic parking is an issue. And I have my own big parking lot now and it's, it's not done by my design, but it's done by, you know, whatever you put out to the universe. You know, I literally, was so blessed to be able to find the space that I'm sitting in right now and then grow my business and have property and real estate. So that's just another um, experience share that I can say it's very important location. Yeah, that's what a great story. We're already up on our first break. So we need to, we need to step away for a couple minutes. Stay tuned, everyone. We'll be back in just a moment. In business, many leaders have a great vision, but find their companies are lacking adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real-life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit voiceamerica.tv today. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. Voiceamerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. Voiceamerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit voiceamerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. Voiceamerica.tv. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back with Jessica Walker. So, Jessica, you were telling that that really it's, it, it's, a, it's a good story of how um, your parents' as mentors in that situation really helped you probably stay calm through a situation that could have been a, I mean... You know, at, at your age and something like that was a real freak out. It, it, it did strike something to me. You know, you said that they, the landlord on a technicality sounded like they wanted to just put somebody else in there and really jack up the rent and felt like they, they could take advantage of you. Exactly. And I, they didn't even give me the opportunity to do that. I believe um, from what I heard, there was a bigger box store that was looking to come in and that's where they were trying to go. And um, it actually didn't work out. And the place set empty for at least seven or eight years before someone else took it over. Um, so it was always really hard. I felt um, 
I had a lot of emotion surrounding it, which I'm sure is understandable. Um, But again, you know, I was also pregnant with my third daughter Mm -hmm. and it made it really difficult. So when I went over to, um, you know, look at the next property in the next building, going in to purchase that, it was an existing business that had employees that intended on staying. That was very difficult to walk into as well um, because I was a few things. I was young. I had this business across the street and I already had a brand that was being um, established. And when I look at a brand, it's what it's your reputation. So it's what people are saying about you behind your back. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had this brand established and I just felt like it was a very, it, it was a very challenging time to blend together the staff that I had and the new staff at this company. And it actually worked out to where somebody who's a few people who are on that team are actually still with me today, which is pretty incredible. And I think that that goes back to those values, those um, lessons that I learned from a child of really caring for people. Cause I look at people as human beings. I know that that's what they are, but instead of human doings, I don't look at them like, um, you know, how much can they perform an output? I really try to see the personal side and the personality of the human that's with me so that I can help meet their needs and their goals. And again, when that happens, they feel supported, seen and heard. And I think that that's been a really big um, blessing for, you know, anybody who works with me and for myself to be able to connect and, you know, have that trust. It goes back to communication, but it all starts with trust. So, yeah, human beings versus human doings. If, if I could just tell you how many companies where people are seen as that, that second group, and it really is, you know, we were just talking recently about trying to get an engaged workforce, right? And how do you get to a point of engaged people and, and people who are aligned to the right culture? Well, you know what? If you don't treat them as human beings, if you don't start at that base level, it's just not going to happen. That's right. And I think so much of it is also recognition and seeing them for the things that they do well and catching people doing something right. I read a book a long time ago, Well Done, and it really supported the, um, my vision, because I didn't know what I didn't know. And there were so many times where I would come in and be like that you didn't do that. And we need to do it this way. And this is it, you know, so I don't want to make it all like it's, you know, butterflies and peaches. I have moments where it's like, this is our standard and we have to live into this. Yes. But, you know, back in the day, you know, I would catch people doing something wrong and that didn't lend for a beautiful experience. It lent for fear. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to lead as a leader of fear. I want to lead as a person of integrity and making sure that they feel seen. So I think recognition, whether you're in the corporate world or you're in, you know, any, any type of business for that matter, even in your family, I think, you know, people want to be seen and they want to be recognized for the good that they do. And that is infectious. And the more that you uh, compliment, the more that that grows. I do also believe that what you give attention to grows, whether it's negative or positive. And if you look for it, you'll find it. So keep looking for the good in someone, because when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And those are some just uh, tools and a practice that I really try to live into every day. And it's helped me so much take the backpack off my back of rocks and weight to live a more peaceful life. Yeah, I, I, I get that completely. And I know that book well done, by the way, um, read it years ago and, and, and it's absolutely, absolutely spot on. Um, yet with, with all of that, and even the mentoring that you do with your employees, not everybody's going to survive. I mean, there is still the, you know, 
you know, it's one thing to hold to your gu- your guns and your quality. Uh, it's, you know, making sure things are done with integrity. And at the same time, you're still going to, from time to time, bring the wrong person in and they're just not going to, to make it. Um, what, were, what have been some of your experiences with that? And, and at what point do you kind of decide it's time that, you know what, it's time to move somebody on instead of continuing to try to develop them out? So many times I found that I have a bleeding heart and some of the people on my staff look at me and they would say, how are you continuing to let this person stay here? And I care so much about people that I think I can, I guess I'm going to just be truthful. I want to change them. I want to help them. I really do. But what I've found in trying to do that is that if someone's not ready for the door to be opened or if it's not cracked open, there's no way that you can penetrate that at all. And someone has to be willing to take the goggles off to see what's truly happening. And I've had to break up with people. And as hard as it is, I probably kept some people on for longer than I should have. And sometimes we even separated for a while and then some people are back and that situation is great. I believe in second chances and even third for that matter, because this is a journey and it's a marathon, not a sprint. So I know for myself where I've come from, you know, personal growth wise, self-awareness wise, and I have so much more to learn and grow. That is one thing for sure. I never stop learning. And we are an organization that is constant, never ending improvement. So unless I see that in you and you're on my team, that you are about that constant, never ending improvement, it's probably not going to be a relationship that's going to last long because it's not a good fit. That doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with you or me, or, you know, it just might mean that maybe there's another place where you'll thrive better than being here because, you know, we are really all about the more people that we can help and touch the better that we feel. And that's just how I've um, come to get to this point, but I've had definitely experiences where we've had to part ways. And as hard as it's been, um, I think again, it's opportunity where there's fear, disruption, opportunity that is, is there as well. Yeah. You know, it's, it's hard firing somebody. I, I don't, I don't care what anybody says. It's, it's hard. And, and, and I'm sure that there are some people out there that just find it easy. You know, the, the, you're fired people, you know, that, okay, there's probably a few heartless people out there, but for most of us, it is hard. And we hold on to people longer, longer than we should. And it is always the hope that we'll turn them around. But I, I do find that that philosophy and you, you said it a minute ago and I applaud you again, because I don't hear a lot of people saying a lot of these same things since it's, but this, this concept that it's not about whether or not the person's a good or bad person. It's really about whether they're a good or bad fit for your organization. And when we talk about a difference of core values, you know, so whether if, if, if they're just not a continuous improvement person, personality, if they're just not a human first personality, a caring personality, you know, whether it's, you know, community involvement, whatever, hey, that's, that's them. It's okay you're not going to be part of my organization. And I think when, yes, that's okay. Yeah. I think when any leader gets to that point and they recognize that, that we're not judging the human, we're just judging whether or not they're a good fit for our culture. It does change the game considerably. It, it makes it easier. It doesn't make it easy, but it does make it easier. 
it definitely makes it clearer for sure, clearer to understand who you want on your team and, you know, in what place they're supposed to be. Um, you know, everybody's talking about the seats and the right seats on your bus and all of that stuff. And it is, it does ring true. Um, and understanding, trying to understand who you're hiring and hiring long and firing quick, I think is great advice, but I think sometimes it's really difficult to do, especially when there's demand and you have to fill a seat, you know, sometimes done is better than perfect. I do believe that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's okay. We're going to hire them. We're going to train them. We're going to get them trained up. And then it's like, ah, they have to go it's not working. Um, or we're going to put more time into them. We're going to put more training into them. Turnover is so expensive. It's so costly. Um, I remember a time where, um, I had another location and literally I had hired someone and the finances just were not there to cover the cost. And it was a really long time ago, the recession hit and it was awful. It was one of the worst experiences. And I will never forget how I felt, how I still feel. And, you know, we're in communication and, you know, later on I tried to hire her back and, you know, as much as I wanted her a part of the team at that time, I just couldn't make it work. And that was really, really difficult. Now, you talk about people coming back to the organization. Um, you know, in, in my belief, that works when they have the core values. So sometimes somebody's got the core values. They're just not cutting it. They're not able to perform. They're not, you know, and you have to make a hard change. But then they go out and maybe they, they change. They become better, stronger at what they do, whatever. And they become kind of a candidate to be back in. You can rehire them. It's been my experience that a lot of those people, when they come back, they then become lifers almost. I mean, you know, they've seen something somewhere else. Maybe they left because they thought the grass was greener, if you will, or whatever. They come back and, and they become your, your most loyal and strongest people. Have you experienced that with some of the people that have come back for you? I absolutely have. Um, and they're very loyal now and have been. And I believe I can speak for myself that I adjusted how I looked at things. And as cliche and as odd as that might sound, I believe that I also have a lot to do with the culture here. And people don't leave the organization. They leave the boss. They leave the leader. And I always am doing a self-reflection of how can I be better? And people might say, oh my God, that's such a burden. I don't live that way and I don't think that it is. I really want to do better and be better for the people that work here with me um, so that they can live a happier, peaceful life. They have to do their part, of course, and that's why we have system structure and we have consistency in that and um, accountability for that matter, um, which has always been really difficult for me, that word. Um, But the responsibility factor and having those conversations with that tool that we talked about earlier, the feedback tool, being able to say, can I give you some feedback? You know, you might be talking too much about this particular issue in your life. And it's, this is just not the right venue for that. So, you know, would you mind saving that for another time after hours or, you know, and that communication establishes even more trust and connection. Yeah. And so you've mentioned the feedback tool a couple of times, and this could be something that could be really good for our listeners because there's all kinds of ways to approach it. But obviously this is working well for you. What's the structure of the tool? How does it actually work? So if there's a situation where you have to bring somebody, you know, call them up to the table or however you want to approach it, something that's not being done according to your system or philosophy, if you will, you would 
you know, take a time and just say, you know, are you welcome to some feedback? Are you open to feedback? And if they say yes or no, you would then ask, is there a good time? Because you don't want to just shoot them with it right then. If they say now is a good time, then that's okay. But if not, they might say, can we catch each other at lunch? Most of the time people are like, tell me now, I want to know, what did I do? Um, you know, at that point you would say, I love what I love about working with you is X, Y, and Z, or what I love about how you operate is, you know, pay them that compliment and then lead in with, you know, this has happened and this is how it makes me feel. And I would love it if you could blah, 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 to give them the example there. Um, and that again, it builds trust and communication and they hopefully will respond with, thank you for caring enough to share that with me. Yeah. That's hopefully their response. Yeah, it takes it, practice. maybe not always, but but most of the time it's hard getting feedback sometimes. But having said that, it's it's a great approach because what you're doing is 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 you start out you identify that feedback is necessary, and by stepping in and asking their permission in a way to give them the feedback, you know, are you open to feedback? That commentary, what it does is say, it says in a in a maybe a non aggressive form, look, I've recognized something that we need to talk about. Right. And and it gets them into the conversation and asking about the timing is 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 offering some respect. I think these are all great things. The one piece I want to I want to really highlight um, for our listeners, the, the piece that that Jessica just said about, you know, how do you feel about the situation? That's important. We all have feelings regarding any type of feedback we give. Maybe we're saddened by by a situation. Let them know. Maybe we're angry. Maybe we're confused. Um, there's there's all different kinds of emotions, but but what that does it creates a, a human connection in the moment of feedback, and I think it makes it very very powerful at that that moment. Would you agree, Jessica? I 100% agree with exactly what you're saying and how you're explaining it. Uh, the other thing that I would add is that this feedback tool is not only for peers and coworkers alike. It's for the staff that we have and the team that we have to be able to come to the leaders and to come to me. Um, you know, I'm busy. I'm in and out of different locations as well as some of the managers and leaders that I have on the team. But this is a direct way where we all have this um, understanding that this is a way that we can communicate and share something that might be d really difficult, but it's okay because I only know what I know and I don't know what I don't know. And when I know I'm the one that can infect change, your manager can infect change and they can be the difference to support you in whatever it is that you might need. So utilizing that tool, especially for the, for the um, employees in a business and a company to be able to do that with the leaders, of course, it's look, it's a, it's accountability, it's authenticity. It has to be real, but, and as own, owners and managers, and you know, you have to be ready to take it. I think that's when you can really create some real magic and some traction in your business when there's open communication and authenticity. And I think that's where the, the majority of even some of the bigger businesses are going um, because it's what people are looking for. It's the demand is there. They want to be seen and they want to have their voice heard. And I think it's super important to recognize that. Excellent. Excellent. So we're up on our next In break business, already. So many leaders um, have a great we're going to take just a couple minutes. And their we'll companies are right lacking back. adequate execution. Transformative Experts with host Chris Elias takes you behind the scenes with real life business leaders and transformative experts who can pinpoint why. Listen to learn how company culture drives execution to optimize results. How can you afford to miss it? Tune in live every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. 
follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. The future of online TV is here. View exclusive content from your favorite talk radio hosts and new programs that you can't see anywhere else. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv today. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. This is Transformative Experts with Chris Elias. If you have a question or a comment about the show, please send an email to listener at transformativeexperts.com. Now, back to Transformative Experts. And we're back one last time with Jessica Walker. So um, really, we've been kind of covering a lot. We've been staying kind of on the, the corporate culture standpoint. Some of the things about you and the organization you've built over time, you know, I, I love the the, the charitable, por- charitable portion of it. You know, um, you know, you're listed as an activist. I'd love to hear about some of the causes that you support and why they're important. I support, um, when it comes to the community, giving back in different ways. As far as um, being an activist for small business, during the pandemic, I you know spoke with the local newspaper here and he put out an article uh, trying to reach out to the governor to, you know, talk about solutions for getting us back open. My business had never been busier and we were growing and it was culture was really great. So to get the legs kicked out from underneath us and tell us we had to shut down, um, it was really, really difficult to hear. And after a long time, we were like, okay, when are we gonna get off this bus? Um, so I started speaking out to talk about, you know, different ways that we could work together with our staff from home. Um, I can't particularly with my company do business virtually. There really isn't anything that we can do. It's a service business. So it's very much like a restaurant. Hard hard Um, to cut hair virtually. Yeah. Impossible. As much as people tried to teach it. I, I, I mean, I do think we, we were, we are very resourceful people and there were so many people that started giving lessons virtually and teaching people how to do it from home and, you know, all different kinds of skincare routines, um, selling color kits. You know, we did, we did try to get as resourceful as we can to help the people that we knew needed us. Um, but it was a, a turning point when, you know, we discovered that we're not going to be opening anytime soon. And, you know, being a voice of trying to speak to uh, our government and nationally try to just support small businesses in general, because what was killing me was that you were able to go buy jewelry at a big box store, but the jewelry store that's across the street from me, who's actually in my old space, which is funny, um, but I love them and they're amazing. They couldn't be open. It didn't make sense to me, this difference of who got to be open and why. And, you know, I just wanted to be a voice so that we all knew that we were together in this 
And it really made a difference. I've received, you know, a bunch of support and, you know, people thanked me for doing that. So um, part of just getting involved with your community is I believe we want to be a part of the solution as a, as opposed to being a part of the problem. So locally, if it's your local chamber, if it's a local economic organization that you could sit on a committee, I'm very, very involved. I sit on the mayor's wellness committee on the Burnersville downtown committee. I'm also on the board for a couple of nonprofits and um, you know, that desire of me to be a part of it, it helps to let people know that I want to be part of the solution and growth of our economy locally and, you know, nationally as well as globally. I mean, together we're in this. And even though we're a small business, I employ about 60 people. That is, it makes a difference. And I don't care if you employ one or if it's just you and you're your own business and you're a rock star and, you know, you're turning over, you know, a boatload of money. We all should be recognized for the hard work that we have put into this life. And I, you know, at that point I was in business, I think for, you know, 22 and a half years, 23 years, and I wasn't ready to throw in the towel and shut it down. But at the same time, it was, I had to shut it down. So it was really difficult. Well, yeah, especially again, your business, which is a hands-on business, all the services you provide, you know, I'm glad that you found a way, but, but this, this activist portion of it is so important. I mean, I know so many entrepreneurs that, um, that literally just kind of crawled into a hole and just hoped that things would come back around. And, you know, again, you're showing your core value of get up, get dressed and show up. I mean, you know, don't sit, don't sit at home. I, you know, Successful versus not successful entrepreneurs. I mean, look, every entrepreneur is going to have a, have his or her failures and, you know, things that'll go well and things that won't. We learn from those. But there is just this piece of hard work that is tied to every highly successful person's success. I don't know how else to say that, right? I mean, every everyone that I've ever talked to, there is always this hard work component and you got to get out there and do it. And, you know, applaud you again for taking what could have been downtime for you. I mean, it could have been time that could have ended your business. Even um, lots of, lots of restaurants, lots of salons, lots of service businesses did not survive those two years and to just get out there, work hard and make it happen. Yeah, I was super frustrated. And for that purpose, it gave me wings to call the editor and sweet Charlie. I didn't, he doesn't write anybody up ever. So he's, he's been, well, that's not true. He's just very particular. So I wasn't, I wasn't very hopeful that he was going to give me time and space to share. And he said, he called me back about a, you know, a few days later and he said, I'd like to give you the story. So we did an interview and he beautifully displayed everything that I articulated in a way he, he did an, he did an amazing job. And for that, I'm forever grateful because it was a springboard to other opportunities and other areas for me to communicate with people and share some of my struggles because all the landlords wanted to get paid. And I had four of them at that time. Well, one, one mortgage, the bank wanted to get paid. And I had three rents that I was paying and all of the expenses had to get paid. The landlords were looking for their money. All of our vendors, they still wanted to get paid for any open invoices that were out there. And it was a really difficult time for, you know, myself as the owner to try to navigate through what is going to happen because it wasn't like we had a date 
when we knew we could get back again. This was a bus to nowhere. And we had no idea how long it was going to be before we would be allowed to open. So the struggle that I was continuing to have was being able to go shopping and go to this home improvement store and see 50 million people in a store online all over the place. And yet my businesses could not be open. And the people that work here couldn't make money to put food on their table. So they had to go out and utilize their resources and, you know, potentially start cutting from home, which was kind of was against, you know, code, if you will, you're not supposed to do that. But again, people had to do what they had to do. So it just, it, it became, um, way too controlled for my liking and uneven in uh, responsibility and, and in what was allowed and what was not allowed. Yeah. It affected so many entrepreneurs that way. Cause as entrepreneurs, we see things in a, in a whole different light. There's also a fairness factor, right? I, it, it, it makes you really wonder how some of the decisions were made during that period of time, because like you said, well, the big box stores are just as potentially a contaminate area as in, as a small entrepreneurial location, probably more so because you've got more traffic, more people going through. Um, and yet there was not this even hand that went across things. Yeah. And it was really, it was frustrating. And then some of the businesses that were ruled essential, um, you know, it, there were so many inconsistencies to it that when the dog groomers were able to open, they were able to open like a month or six weeks before us. I thought to myself, oh, we have to be next. I mean, yes, I know that it's really important for, I have a dog. I love my dog, the hygiene. You have to, you know, take care of your dog. But what about the hygiene of a human? I mean, like you can't have neck hair that connects to your back and all the way down. Like we have to keep ourselves clean and, and neat and tidy. It makes you feel better. Um, one thing that was a blessing that came out of it though, was that everyone on zoom was looking at themselves in a way that they'd never before, especially the guys for that matter, because guys look in the mirror when they're in the shower, they get out, they towel dry their hair and they may put some stuff in it if I'm lucky. And then they leave and they don't look in the mirror again, unless they go to the bathroom and that's like a quick wash your hands and get out. They don't really care when they started looking themselves. They're like, Oh, maybe I need some eye cream or, you know, maybe, maybe I need to do something with my hair a little bit differently. And the women, they really valued us because when you start to see gray, it doesn't make you feel good. So you want to get in front of the fire. And I think when we were allowed to open the value that we felt and found with the connection of our guests and the new people that came to us was incredible, really incredible. So, um, one of the other philosophies that you push is everyday innovation, right? This is, this is another thing that you think about and how to kind of get better and what to change, et cetera. And again, you know, your, your organization has changed through the years. Um, I mean, you started with haircutting and now again, I, I don't know how many services you have more than I can count um, that, that are available all as part of it. Even in, you know, in these tough times, how did you maintain kind of innovation and what kind of innovation are you looking at for the future for your organization? The way that I look at things in life and every day are the situations and the circumstances that are around me. And I'm always very curious. I stay curious and I like to ask myself questions. I'll write the questions down because any problem can be solved if you ask yourself the right question. So um, I heard that a long time ago and it stuck with me because we come up against problems all the time and those problems 
our innovation essentially, because you're figuring out a different way to get it done. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm looking right now, I have a skincare line that I'm doing that I think is beautiful because we all want to protect our face and skin. Um, I would love to grow the organization by way of hiring more employees because um, that's at the core of what we do without staff. There's no business, um, you know, in turn, continuing on my journey of development, um, not only with skincare products, but with some other products and partnering with the right people to solve more problems for, um, for our community here locally. That's really what's at the core of who I am and what I do. And now I've branched out into um, advising and coaching other small businesses um, to do what they do when it comes to sales operations, marketing, finance, HR, education, training, mm-hmm. you know, all of these items are essential. It is business for that matter. And, um, if, if I can give of myself and share some of the experiences that I have and help someone else do what they love to do or discover what they love, because I feel like so many people, even from, you know, meeting with the people that are our uh, clients, they do what they do, but they don't love what they do. It's like our parents told us, you're going to grow up and you're going to become X. And that X is, they're not happy. They're really not happy. And they're, you know, it's going through the discovery process of what lights them up. We all have a unique gift. And when you're living into what your unique gift is, it, it doesn't feel like work. And you also are infecting everyone around you with smiles, which are free. And it feels much better than a miserable opening up the door to Starbucks. And it's like, whoa, what's up with that person? <laughs> you can feel the vibe. Yeah. So. Well, and, and again, you know, here's this theme of mentoring again. So, you know, you have utilized and continue to utilize mentors in your life, but in coaching other businesses, you are becoming a mentor. Plus you mentor people within your organization. Um, I'm kind of curious while we have just a couple of minutes left, I'd love to hear a mentoring story from the other side. So earlier I asked you about, you know, a, a story that, that affected you. Um, I'm kind of curious, you know, if you could share a, a, a really great win, you know, somebody who needed some help, it could be another business. It could be, you know, one of your employees, um, and how, how you're mentoring them, help them get to wherever they needed to go in, in, in this situation. So I think this goes back to, again, when we were talking in the beginning about not realizing how I was doing business with growing into the values and it was just happening. There's been so many people that have worked underneath me and worked alongside of me um, that um, it's hard to talk about, to be honest with you, because I feel like it starts making me feel like I'm talking and being boastful. Um, but I've, I have had a lot of staff that had started from just getting out of technical school and as a cosmetologist and um, not even having their license, but starting to work here as a receptionist or customer service and then going to school to become a licensed cosmetologist and watching them grow and training and teaching them and mentoring them in what's the right communication style. Because a lot of people can give a great facial or a great massage or a great haircut for that matter but a lot of people can't communicate that well. And that's the difference maker. So being able to have the conversations, I mean, I have one particular person in mind, in in my mind right now, and she literally wrote up who her mentor was and picked me. And I mean, it's emotional. It brings me to tears Mm -hmm. because it's beautiful to see, to give these people, um, uh, for them to give me the opportunity to be able to lead them is the biggest gift that I didn't even know 
what it was until I wake up one day and I'm like, wow, what a gift I have to be able to take care of these people and love them and support them and respect them and mentor them and train them. And now she's super busy behind the chair and it's a beautiful thing to watch. And I tell her all the time how proud I am of her and I I know that she feels it and that is so beautiful and it's such a gift. And I have a quite a a lot of stories like that. So it's really, it's amazing thing. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a great example of how a mentor can change somebody's life because you know, who knows, she might've found success in another way or, or, you know, any number of things, but you know, there are a lot of people out there that all they need is just a person to kind of give them a nudge or a helping hand or give them that one little bit of knowledge, whatever it is. And the power of being a mentor is as important as looking for mentors in our lives. Wouldn't you agree? I do. You know, going back to her story, she actually came over to this country and didn't speak any English really when she met with me on her interview. And she was so nervous because her English was so broken. And she said, I can't even go. So um, after she worked with me for about two years, we started talking about her going and going to school and enrolling in cosmetology school. And in order to go to cosmetology school in this state, and uh, you have to have your green card. Yeah. And she didn't. And she thought she was in. She had accepted everything. She paid part of the money. And then again, on a technicality, she couldn't go. So she had to wait when she came home, she was so upset. She was in tears. And I coached her through that and talked her through and, and other people that are on my team too. It wasn't just me, but this is, it's okay. We're going to get you a certification to do something else, get certified in this and this, and you could do that and wait for the card to come. When that, when all of her when all that came and she was, everything was on the up and up and she could go into school. We had a party. I mean, and the fact that she came through that, she needed that mentorship. So I so encourage, you know, being there for someone because you never know. She could have went home and crawled in a ball and been so depressed that she didn't get the opportunity when she had it. But a little bit later, a couple years later, this other huge opportunity came available and now she's super busy. So Excellent. she has an incredible story too. Excellent. What a, what a, what a great story to share. And, um, you know, we're, we're out of time. I mean, we're, we're at the end of our show now. I wish we could keep going. Uh, Jessica, it's been a pleasure having you on, on the show today. Thank you so much. I appreciate you letting me share my story and share with everybody who's listening. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm sure that everybody got a lot out of it. I mean, there's just such good content and great philosophies on business and great examples of how to be successful as an entrepreneur. Um, you know, these, these principles hold true for any organization. It's not, not about what you do, but it is about how you do it. So um, again, thank you. And um, to everybody else out there, we've got some more great shows coming up in the upcoming weeks. Stay tuned for more and thank you for listening. Thank you for joining Chris Elias for this week's edition of Transformative Experts. We hope you'll tune in again next Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And catch our weekly replay on the Voice America Influencers Channel, Sundays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Have a good week.